In Psalm 145, it says, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Will you give it up for Jesus today? See, a great God deserves great praise. And if you're joining us today, we're in the second week of a series that we're calling All In, a series all about worship. And so this team has done an exceptional job of leading us into the presence of God. I'm so grateful. And I'm gonna encourage you before we go any further, before you take a seat, put in your calendar, be back at church next week because week three is gonna be phenomenal because our own Pastor Sam Misagaro is gonna be given the word. <laughs> Pastor John and I had the privilege of sitting down with him a week or two ago and God has put a word on his heart. I'm telling you right now, make every opportunity you can to get here, invite your friends. It's gonna be an amazing, amazing morning. Go ahead and take your seats, please. Well, as we said, we are in the midst of a worship series, and over the course of the next few weeks, there may be some things that we can't answer in the first four weeks. And so on the fifth week of this series, Pastor Sam and our worship leaders, we're going to do kind of a panel discussion. And so there may be some questions that you have based on what Pastor John preached on last week or even after today or in the next couple of weeks. And so on the screen, you'll see a number. We want you to text any questions that you have about worship, and we're going to answer them live on the platform in the fifth week of this series. So anything that you have that you've been curious about, or maybe you've gone to church for a while, or maybe this is your first time and you're trying to figure out what all of that is about, um, please please make sure that you're texting in those questions over the next couple of weeks. Now, knowing that this is a worship series, um, somebody said to me, are you going to sing? And no, no don't go, woo, no. <laughs> I, I, want you to stick, I want you to stick around. But sometimes that's what we think worship is. We think worship is just the two slow songs at the end. Like it's tremble leading into what a beautiful name and you're like, hallelujah. But worship is more than just that. You see, true worship, I believe, is the priority that we place on who God is in our life and where God is on the list of priorities. You see, I believe that worship isn't relegated to just a Sunday morning, but worship is wherever you go, wherever you invite God into your heart, wherever you invite God into your life. I wrote down in my notes, worship is a heart response of honor and gratitude to God. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, it's what your heart is because I'm a grateful man that has been loved by an unconditional love of a father. You see, there's times where I've worshiped in the midst of crazy situations. Four, five, six, seven years ago, Rach was working one night and I made the really smart decision to take all three of our kids for the weekly grocery shopping. I thought that would really bless her. That was a dumb move. If you're a dad and you ever think about doing that, don't. But we went and we had been there for a long time. Tempers were flaring, including dads. And my daughter at the time, she said to me, she said, dad, I'm not feeling well. Okay, well, the thing you should know about Ella is that um, she doesn't give you much notice when she's not feeling well. Like it's, I'm not feeling well, kind of a thing. 
And so we had this whole thing of groceries. We were getting ready to check out. We were doing the last few things to throw in the cart. The girl, dad, I'm not feeling well, gets sick. And I'm not just like a little bit sick, like sick all over the cart of groceries. And I'm looking around like, is there anybody, not an employee in sight. So I didn't know what to do. So y'all, I just totally left the cart there in the middle of Walmart. Two confessions of a Sunday morning. But my son was really little, so I picked him up um, with one arm. I scooped up Ella with the other arm. And our middle child, his name is Liam. And Liam went through about a three, four-year phase where all he wore were superhero costumes. Now, depending on how long you've been at Riverside, you may remember that phase because there were some Sunday mornings he would come to church dressed up as the Flash. Well, that particular day, Liam was head to toe, mask, boots, full on Batman, full on the dark night. So we had gone to Walmart and we had parked in the grocery section, but we came out the other section. So that's a trek to get from where we're coming out, sickness all down my arm, another one on my other arm, and we're going all the way across the parking lot. And it had to be a sight because the whole time, I'm saying, come on, Batman, come on, Batman, because he would only answer to whatever character he was wearing on that particular day. But that day we we got home and and we ran a bath. I ran a bath for Ella, tucked her in bed. And that night as I was getting in my bed, I was overwhelmed by the presence of God. And you think that's really a weird thing. But during that time, I never thought I was going to be a dad. So to be able to take my daughter, my one and only daughter, and take care of her and to love her, that was a worshipable moment for me. See, worship is wherever you invite God into your life. And in that moment, that was my worship. You see, worship is a verb. It's an action word. It's something you do. It means to surrender, to sacrifice, See, my wife, Rachel, she is counting down the days until November because she is obsessed with a show on Netflix called The Crown. Okay, one person. Yeah, that's how boring the show is. (laughs) She's like, come watch The Crown with me. And we tried one episode and I was like asleep on the couch. But she loves that. And the one episode that I managed to make about two-thirds of the way through, they came in and they met the queen and she's sitting there on the throne and every single person that came in bowed down in front of the queen. They realized what a reverent position, an important sacred moment that was. And I think that's such an apt metaphor of how we should come before our king, the king of kings. In Psalms, it says, the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him for he made it. His hands form the dry land too, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. See, worship, I believe, is a heart issue. The first, one of the first few times you ever hear the word worship in scripture is all the way back in Genesis chapter 22. Now, Genesis chapter 22 tells the story of Abraham and Sarah. And if you're not familiar with their story, 
They had so longed for a child together for years and years, and God had said, yes, I'm going to bless you with a child one day. And they waited, and they waited, and that child finally arrived, but not until Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100. And shortly after that son Isaac was born, God speaks to Abraham, and he says, I want you to sacrifice your son on the altar. And I can't imagine what that must be like to be Abraham, the son you had prayed for, the son you had waited for, for years and years, and God said, no, I want him back. But in Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, here's what it says. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. In that passage, Abraham equated worship with obedience. Although he didn't understand fully, he obeyed completely there. And it goes on to say his son was saved. And I'm sure in that moment that when all that happened, Abraham, his love grew for his son, but I'm pretty sure his love also grew for his God that was faithful, that was with him every single step of the way because, you see, love grows over time. I love my kids. My love for them has grown exponentially the longer they've been a part of our household. My daughter, the same one that threw up all over the place, I remember the first day she was born. I remember our first hours together. And I remember it was time to take her back to the nursery to wheel her back so mom and dad and even her could get a little bit of sleep. And so Rach kissed her on the forehead. I kissed her on the cheek and I start to roll her out to take her back to the nursery. And then about three or four minutes later, I roll her back into the room where Rachel was. And she goes, what's going on? And I said, she just keeps looking at me. I couldn't let her go because she just kept looking at me with these beautiful eyes. I'll tell you, I loved that girl the moment I met her, but my love for that girl has grown and grown and grown that I wanna do everything I can to be the best dad I possibly can for her. You know, even Pastor John and Letty are gone um, to the funeral in Wales. Pastor John's sister passed away and Rachel at one point was getting ready, she was gonna try to go and our plans just weren't able to allow her to do that. But the first thing I thought of when Rach said, hey, we might be going to this, what do you think? Let's try to figure it out. The first thing wasn't about our schedule and getting the boys to their games. It wasn't about what are we gonna eat for a week? Lots of Eggo waffles in the freezer, I guess. But my first thought was, last night was my daughter's very first homecoming dance. She's a freshman. And the very first thing I worried about is, who's going to do her hair? Like, you leave it up to me. And I I didn't tell anybody this, even Rach. But as soon as I I found that Rach might be going, I legit Googled homecoming 2019 hairdos. And I watched YouTube videos over and over. Because I wanted that night to be so special. Hallelujah, I didn't have to do it because... Y'all have liked that picture that Rach posted last night on social media. It would not have looked that good. But my love for my daughter has grown. My love for her has grown because I spent time in her presence. I spent time with her. 
Can I tell you, it's all about how much time you spend with God. The more time you spend with God, he will start to do something on your heart, something in your life where you will start to love people at a level you never had thought possible. In Paul, in Philippians 1 verse 9, Paul's talking here and he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. When I read that verse, I picture a river. And many of us who have grown up here in the Midwest or in this area, there's certain times of the year that we get lots of rain. And I picture a river and the more it rains, the more it starts to swell. So much so that it gets closer to the bank and at some points if it continues to rain, it spills over on the sides. And I think that's what God does for us. God extends our heart, he expands our heart. And so we start to love other people in a different way than we ever thought possible. And not only that, we start to love God at a different level than we ever thought. There's a verse in Revelation that a lot of times we read it and we think it's attributed to an invitation to unbelievers. But the more I studied it, I realized Jesus here is talking to people who are already following him. And in Revelation 3 verse 20 is a verse that many of you will recognize. It says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will eat together as friends. Now, most of you know I was a teacher, so I'm a little bit of a word nerd. But the word eat in here comes from the word dapnon. All right, it's the Greek word dapnon. And what that was, it was the last meal, the most important meal of the day, the evening dinner. And what that would be is they would come together after a hard day of work, everything's done, and they would sit around that table. And it wouldn't be something quick to get up and get going. They would spend time at that table. They'd be intentional about talking with one another. They would fellowship with one another. There was a depth to their relationship. In that verse, I think that's what God's saying to them as well. Let me deeper into your life. Let me come to you. Let me spend time. Let's eat together. See, my kids are so me. They're such a reflection of me. There'll be times where we'll be driving someplace and generally it's on a Sunday morning on our way to church. And one of them will do something, say something, act in some way and I'm driving and I will look over at Rach and she will kind of shrug her shoulders as if to say, that's your kid. Like he's acting like that because he's you. My kids have spent time with me and so they start to reflect me. They start to act like me. Can I tell you, the more time that we spend with God, the more you will start to reflect who he is. The more time you spend with God, the more you will start to speak like God. The more time you spend with God, you will start to act like him. You will start to love like him. Once God has a grip on your heart, your priorities will start to change. They'll start to shift. You see, I believe that everyone is a worshiper, but not everyone worships the right things. A couple months ago, Rachel and I had a date night and we went to a, a concert. And I was reminded of this because we were at a concert and some of you are not gonna have any idea who this is. When we were told Miranda, hey, Rachel and I are going to this concert, she's like, who is that? I am old. But my old, where's my old crowd? Come on, give it up. You're so old, you can't even clap. Like the osteoporosis has set in. You're like, can't even be bothered. 
But we saw this guy named Brian Adams. If you're an 80s kid like me, you know, okay, run to you, summer 69, everything I do, I do it for you. And we were there, and they, I actually took a photo of this, and, and they're going to put it on the screen. This is what the crowd was doing. Now, if you Photoshop out that beer that that lady's holding right in front of me, I'm sure it was water. That looks like that could be at a worship event. That looks like something because he started to sing a song and people are raising their hands, celebrating, worshiping. Can I tell you, there were people that were worshiping to a washed up 80s rocker more than some of us worship the one true God. I'm just being real. There were people that were worshiping over and over. I'll tell you, worship is a response to what we value the most. It's saying this thing, this person, this activity is the most important thing in my life and I'm giving it first priority. See, whatever is worth the most to you, you will start to worship. You will start to spend time with it. As a result, it will determine our actions and our life will be changed by what we worship. Now, I know many of us are very spiritual in here and you're like, I don't worship anyone but God, hallelujah. But if the truth is known, I think our lives probably don't match up with that. You can say, I worship God, but if you wanna find out what you truly worship, Look where you spend the most of your time. Look where your loyalty lies. Look where your money goes. That will show you what you truly worship. We may never say, I, I worship my stuff and I worship my job and I worship my family. But I'll tell you, the trail never lies. We may say we worship this or that, but our actions speak louder than words. In the end, our worship is more about what we do than what we say. Throughout scripture, we see people who worship idols. And I was a kid who grew up in the church. And I always thought of an idol as some small statue or it could even be a larger statue. But the more I follow Jesus, I realize that an idol is anything that takes the place of God. It's anything that we put on the throne of our heart. That's truly what an idol is because what sits on the throne of your heart will control your actions, will control your choices, and will control the way you live your life. So let me ask you today, what sits on the throne of your heart? What is it? Is it money? Is it relationships? Is it your job? Is it even your family? Because I'm gonna tell you today, Jesus is saying today, all of you is all he wants. He doesn't want any of the rest of that stuff. He just wants you. We sang it in that song. Nothing else will do. Because you have to remember, you came in this world with nothing. When my daughter was born, the only thing she had was one of those little hats on her head that kept popping off. That's what she came into the world with. So everything that we have been given, everything that we have been blessed with is because of God's love for you. And there's so many things that come in our lives that try to distract us for our attention. There's so many things that want our time. There's so many things that want our attention. 
And in Psalms 86, they talk about this. It says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. There's lots of things that want our time. And God say, no, I want you to focus on me. All that other stuff, leave aside. Just give me your heart. Just give me your life. Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. Now, Romans is what we call the first epistle. And the epistle is just correspondence between Christian leaders. And at this time, it was at the Roman Empire. And so Paul was writing to actually the church in Rome. He was about 20 years into his preaching ministry by that time. But he was seeing some things that were going on around him. And in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, it says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. The problem here is that they didn't know God. The problem here is that they, that they did know him, yet refused not to give him the glory that almighty God deserved. They chose to worship the creature over the creator. They chose to worship a man-made idol instead of the maker of the universe. And it had disastrous consequences. If you continue to read on in this passage, it says their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. See, God abandoned them. And their lives became full of all of that stuff. Can I tell you today... I don't want God to leave me. I want God to lead me into the future that he has for me. I want to step into all that he has for me. So my life is going to be marked out by worship. I want to express my worship to God, no matter how that looks like. See, have you ever been around people who are in love and like you can tell like they're in love. Now I'm not talking about like junior high, 13 year old love. We were at, at Underground a couple weeks ago and, and there was a, a guy and a girl and, and they're young and they're like, we're so in love. I'm like, you're so delusional. Um, I didn't really say that. I was like, it's fine, okay, you let them go. I know how this is gonna end. But they were like very together. And I mean like together together. They were outside and they were like pressed together. And I was like, mm, that ain't going to happen on my watch. No, no, no. And then you turn your back and then they're back together. Like I'm talking together, like close, like closer than my legs are to these jeans today. Like that's how <laughs> I could feel it when I was moving. Like that's how close they were. But I'm talking about two people who truly love one another. Like you can see it on their faces, the way they interact with one another. Two weeks ago today, um, I had the privilege of being up in Wisconsin. And I had the honor of officiating a wedding between my cousin Jess, who's on staff here with us at Riverside, and Pastor Dana's son, Zach. Now there they are, they're like models. 
Look at them. Oh, so cute. Um, but as we were there, like, these are two that exude love. Like, every time you see them in church, you're like, keep your hands to yourself. Okay, not right now. We're in the middle of what a beautiful name. Like, calm it down. But even during the wedding, we were there and we were going through the motions and we were going through and I had everything. Now, listen, I realize that if you ever do a wedding, you are nothing but you're just wasting time to get people to the reception. Like, I know my place. Like, there was spaghetti waiting and so I will just try to make this quick. But here's what happened. As we're going through the actual wedding, it's beautiful. It's outside. It's the most stunning wedding I've ever been a part of. Jess would like lean over at different times. She'd be like, you're so handsome in the actual wedding. And then Zach, it would keep going. And he would like touch your face. He'd be like, oh my gosh, you're the most gorgeous girl I've ever seen in my whole entire life. And we're like, we got to keep this moving. Like we don't have time for that. And then at one time they would like try to go in and like kiss one another before the actual time. I'm like, that's not on here yet. That's like at the end of my notes, like slow down. But when you love someone, you express it. You express it in various ways. See, I can stand up here and say that I love my wife, but if I don't express that to her, it doesn't mean anything. And I think it's the same with God. I believe that worship should be expressed. Worship is our love expressed. And dare I say, it's not worship if it's not expressed. If you're not sharing who God is, See, there's a couple different times where how I approach God. And in a worship, whether it's a collective service like this or even my own worship at home, I often worship God in two different seasons of my life. There's times where I will worship God to thank him for all he's done in my life. I love looking at photo albums. I love when you're on Facebook and it comes up with your memories from like seven years ago. I don't always love that it shows me my hairstyle from seven years ago, but I love to see snapshots because I'm so reminded of where my life used to be. And I'm so reminded of how far God has brought me in that time. So when I have times of worship, it's man, thank you, God. Thank you for the work you've done in my life. Thank you for changing me from the inside out. But if I'm truly transparent with you today, there's also times in worship where I'm really struggling. I don't know if you've ever come to worship where you have basically nothing else left. Where you come to worship and it's almost like the last resort. God, I need you to show up or I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how this is gonna happen. And in those moments, Instead of panic, I start to praise. Instead of worry, I start to worship. Even putting together this message on Thursday, it was a mess. It wasn't coming together. And the devil started to say some stuff in my ears. Like, are you sure that you're the right guy for this? I don't know if this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I was in a bad place. I don't know if this week has been amazing for you or it's been hard. For me, it's been a challenging week. And my first response when I was so overwhelmed, I didn't start to freak out, but I went to God's word and I spent time just with him. And I started to thank him for all the things that he had done in my life. 
the opportunities he had given me, the fact that he saw something in me and put us on this adventure beyond anything I could ever have even imagined. And during that time, I heard from God. And he said to me, you know, Michael, situations can change for better or for worse, but my love for you will never change. You see, I believe that's not just a word for me. That's a word for somebody that's in this service today. That your situations may be great or terrible, but you need to know that God is still there with you in every single step of the way. He still loves you. He still has a plan for you. I grew up in a church that looked nothing like Riverside. It was like those kind of churches that you would see on movies and TV shows. We had pews that were much easier to fall asleep when you had somebody that was talking and talking and talking than these chairs. But we even had these little things cut out where you could put your communion cups in there when you were done. Anybody have those? But we went to a church that we sang from the hymnal. So our, our worship leader would reach out and you would grab the hymnal and he'd say, turn to hymn 127. And for some reason, we would always sing the first, second, and fourth verse. Never the third. Like, I don't know why that was, but it was the first, second, and fourth verse. See, I have a love for hymns. I love modern worship, but I have a love for hymns because that's what I grew up with. And some of the hymns that I sang back as a kid were written by a lady named Fanny Crosby. And Fanny Crosby was a 19th century hymn writer. And her history was when she was a young girl, she caught a cold and it affected her eyesight. And so her parents took her to the doctor and they put some medicine on it. Well, the medicine didn't have the desired effect. And in fact, it hurt her optic nerves. And so much so as a young girl, she went completely blind. And recently I read a little bit about the life of Fanny Crosby. And I love this quote that she said. It says, as I grew older, they told me I would never see the faces of my friends, the flowers of the field, the blue of the skies, or the golden beauty of the stars. Nevertheless, I made up my mind to store away a little jewel in my heart, which I call contentment. The good thing about being blind is that the very first face I'll see will be the face of Jesus. That was a young girl that in the midst of situations, she still was content. Fanny Crosby went on to write over 8,000 hymns. Many of the hymns that I grew up on was because of that young woman. She exchanged her problem for praise. She had every right to complain, but instead of complaining, she found contentment. You see, we face the same thing every single day. Situations are thrown our way. And we have a choice. We can choose to be bitter or we can choose to find contentment because I believe that bitterness will destroy your love for God. But contentment, on the other hand, it deepens our love for God. When you're content with the season and the place you are right now, watch to see what God can do. But that doesn't mean there's not a place for brokenness in our worship. If you go back to the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, over 70% of the Psalms are what we call laments. They're cries out to God. They're songs of sorrow. But if you read through each and every one of those, at no point is it ever critical of God. It never questions his worth. 
It never challenges God. Can I tell you? It doesn't challenge God. It chooses God. In every single spot when you read that, you go on to see that it reveals that even in the darkest seasons, he is still God. He's the one I cling to. He's the one I hold on to. He is my only hope. Even Jesus Christ himself, as he was going to the cross on his day of crucifixion, you see him quoting two of David's laments from back in Psalms. And many of you know the story at noon, darkness fell as he's held to the cross and Jesus starts to quote Psalm 22:1, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? And then he goes on to follow it up with Psalm 31, five, I commit my spirit into your hand. Can I tell you, even in the midst of trials, we can still worship. We can look ahead to the great God who's with us every single step of the way. Growing up, one of those hymns that I sang all the time was a hymn called, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Written by a guy named Charles Wesley. And Charles Wesley, over the course of about 50 years, he had written about 6,500 songs. And Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing was actually written to commemorate his one year anniversary of becoming a follower of Jesus. And so that song meant a lot to him. And when I first heard that song, I thought a thousand tongues singing isn't really that big of a deal. You know, I've been in worship events here. We've had concerts here at Riverside. I've seen people raise their hands, a thousand people. It's exciting, it's cool, it's awesome. But what's the big deal? But as I started to read a little bit more about Charles Wesley and his inspiration behind writing this, he was actually coming from a place of saying, I wish I had a thousand tongues because I would use every single one of them to worship God. I would use every single breath that I have. Can I tell you that should be the heart of each and every one of us as worshipers. No matter where we are, no matter what seasons are going on in our life, we still wanna worship Jesus. Charles Wesley, a few years later in 1744, he was at this prayer meeting with about 100 people and they were on the second floor of a building and they were praying and worshiping and something started to happen. They first heard a, a creak of a floorboard and then they heard this little bit louder crack and then immediately after that, there was a collapse. The entire second floor, the floor dropped out, went right to the first floor. And people were crying, screaming, trying to get their bearings. But Charles Wesley did something a little bit unusual. He started to sing. He started to sing something that we call the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. See, because that's who he was. He was an unstoppable worshiper. And he knew that no matter how bleak his situation felt, he knew how blessed he was to be a child of God. And he continued to worship over and over again. I think many of us can relate to that. Not the worship in the midst of my seasons, 
but I think we're all in a different season that can be a little bit difficult. Some of us right now, if we're honest, we're in a season where it's kind of creaky, where things just don't feel right, seem right, doesn't sound right. It just feels like something's a little bit off. But then there's some of us that are kind of in a season where things have started to crack in our lives. Could be relationships, it could be finances, and things have started to break all around us. But I know in a room this size, there's some of us that are in full on collapse mode right now. Everything you knew, everything you thought you knew has fallen down around you and you're trying to figure out what is the next step. You see, in those moments, no matter where we find ourselves, our first instinct should be worship God. And that's sometimes hard to wrap our brain around. No matter what your season, I'm not gonna worry about my future. I'm gonna worship God wherever I am. Wherever he's brought me to, whatever season I'm in right now. And there's some of us, we've kind of lost our love for Jesus. We've lost our worship. Do you remember when you first entered into a relationship with Jesus? Do you remember what that was like? For some of us, it could be very recently in the last few months. For some of us, it's several years now. Do you remember when you first found out about the love of Jesus and you put your life in his hands? You couldn't stop talking about it. You were worshiping wherever you go. You were telling people about Jesus. But then life happens. Those creaks, those cracks, those things that start to collapse in our life. And we no longer even worship God anymore and we try to do it on our own. And sometimes, dare I say, we even wonder if God even exists. Today, I've had these shoes sitting up here and you're like, why is that young man having shoes up there the entire time? I bought these a few years ago. And these were my favorite shoes for a long time. I was so excited when I bought them and I wore them every single day. I didn't even care if it matched what I was wearing. I wore them day after day. I was showing off. I was telling people about them. I loved them because it looked like alligators biting my ankles. They were so cool. But then after a while, they started to hurt my feet. After a while, they got a little bit dirty. I got a little bit bored with them. And so for a while now, they've gone on a shelf in my closet and I haven't touched them. Can I be honest? I think some of us are there in our relationship with Jesus. What once was exciting and new and fresh and you wanted to be around it all the time, now it's gotten a little stale. And now you just wear them as a last resort. Can I tell you today, what I think God wants me to share before we wrap up is that God wants to invite you to come back into relationship with
He wants you to fall in love with Him all over again. He wants you to take off the stuff that has been just on a shelf. And He said, put me back on. Put me back in the center of your life. Let me show you the way I want to lead your life. I don't want you to just come with me as your last resort. I want you to come to me. I want you to spend time with me every single day. And I know some of you today, I know your stories. We walk through life together and you know mine. Some of y'all know way more than you would ever wanna know about my story. But can I tell you wherever you are right now, if things are going great, hallelujah. But if things are struggling right now, can I encourage you today? Maybe today is the day where you start to walk again with Jesus fully, where he starts to enlarge your heart, where you start to express your worship to God, no matter who's around, no matter what you look like, even if you look silly wearing an outfit with green shoes, I don't care because I'm more concerned about living a life of worship and thankfulness and gratitude than I care what anybody else says about me. And so today, I just wanna pray for you. Wherever you are, whether things are going great, whether things feel a little bit unsettled right now, whether things have been cracked and you have no idea how I'm gonna make that work again, or maybe you're flat on your back in full on collapse mode. Can I tell you today, God wants to re-enter your life. He wants to come into a relationship with you all over again. And for some of you, maybe you've never done that. All this stuff that I've talked about this morning, I've never actually given my life to Jesus. And in a few moments, we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that. But would every single person in this room, will you just bow your head with me, please? And where you're sitting right now with nobody looking around, will you just be really honest and say, hey, Michael, that's me right now. I might either be at a creek, a crack or a collapse. My life is not going the way. If that's you, will you just raise your hand from right where you're sitting? Nobody looking around, because I just wanna pray for you. I wanna take a snapshot of you this week, and I'm just gonna continue to pray for you. Thank you for your honesty. You may put your hands down. But maybe there's some of you today, I don't wanna miss the opportunity. I was talking to somebody today, life is very quick and futile, and it can be gone just like that. And I don't ever wanna miss the opportunity to help people enter into a relationship with Jesus. And so maybe today you've never done that, or maybe you're coming back to Jesus. Maybe, yeah, I used to live that way a long time ago, but I put Jesus on a shelf just like those shoes and I wanna come back. If that's you today, you've never given your life over to Jesus or you wanna come back without anyone looking, will you just raise your hand? Because I wanna pray a prayer with you today. If that's you, just raise it up and you can put it right back down. Thank you. Everyone in this room, will you pray with us today? Dear God, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. 
Today, I recommit my life to you. I'm sorry for putting you on the shelf, but today I wanna walk with you every step of the way. Thank you for leading me. In your name, amen. Before we wrap up today, we're gonna come back to this song that Sam and the team did right before. And can I tell you, in times like this, I always think about the grace that God had for me, the extravagant grace that he poured upon me. And when I think about that, can I tell you, extravagant grace calls for extravagant worship. So as we go back into this song one more time, I want you not to worry about what anybody's doing around you. I want God to start to do something on your heart where maybe you throw up your hands, maybe you have to kneel to the ground, maybe you need to surrender in this place and say, God, whatever you want for the rest of my life, I'm not putting you aside. I wanna walk with you into the plan and the purpose and the destiny that you have for me. Will you join me on your feet at this time, please? Please know that we love you. And if we could do anything to help you in this journey, come alongside one of us, the pastoral team elders, We believe that God has a great plan for each and every one of you, no matter what it looks like right now. God's got you in the palm of his hand. He's gripping you with his grace. Start walking, start believing that God is with you every single step of the way.